All right. And we're recording. Yeah. So I'm here with my guest, Christopher Bean. Uh, Christopher Bean is unique in uh, my walk. And he has, he's got a really special place in my heart because of just the kind of type of dude he is and the way that he coaches. Um, the, it's been said that the most the most uh, expensive real estate on the battlefield is the six inches between your ears. And that is where Christopher Bean is laser focused. Um, he's doing a lot of really cool things right now with his coaching. Um, he has his, uh, his firearms business, Tactical Advantage. He's also doing a lot of really cool work with the Active Self-Protection Instructor Certification. He's part of that cadre. And he's also been working with uh, the Complete Combatant with Brian Hill and Shelly Hill. He's doing a lot of really cool things. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Ah, man, that's very kind. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm humbled. So I don't, I want to hop right into the coaching because the way that you coach, you're, you have this knack for, you know, just uh, understanding how people are feeling and understanding what people are seeing and, you know, knowing what they're, what they should be feeling the gun for and feeling in their heart and in their mind. Can you just talk, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, like what you're looking for? Like, imagine you're on a line coaching somebody or you're mm -hmm. in a private lesson and, you know, you're, you're hoping to get somebody to like have a breakthrough with something that they're doing. Like, what are you looking for? How are you diagnosing people? So, I mean, it, it's going to be hard to lead into that directly. So I'll, I'll go kind of indirectly. Yeah. Um, so in addition to what I do with firearm stuff, uh, I've had a pretty long career um, in corporate America. Uh, and the way that that career has kind of led me over time, uh, it got into to training aspects in, in a wide variety of topics. Um, from that into leadership, development, things like that. Uh, so as I've learned, <clears throat> and I'm wired as an observer. I mean, that's what I do. Uh, I'm really, I have very little want or need for like recognition or my ego to be in front of somebody. Uh, it's more about observing what I see and trying to figure out a way to articulate the ideas of what I'm interpreting from that to them in a way that they understand that they can make a change, right? Uh, the interesting thing from a coaching perspective is people, if you tell them something directly, hey, you're doing this mechanically and I would like you to do that. Very rarely does that stick. Uh, you might get uh, a short burst of compliance, for lack of a better term, with that. They may or may not see yield or more often than not, they won't see yield because it's an extrinsic force that's opposed to what they think they're doing or what they're they feel is correct right so <clears throat> what i try and do a lot is really figure out where that person's coming from and what makes them tick i <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it i like to crawl up in people's heads by listening um <clears throat> observing mannerisms things like that and figure out what tool could i use to help them internalize an idea to make them try it uh and then at that point if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't we move on to the next uh but i think what happens a lot in coaching is 
is people are are very much into just saying hey this is the secret sauce to do that and if you do this you will yield this and that's that's nowhere near you know foolproof or always the case uh, so i do a lot a lot a lot of trying to understand where someone is and why they're doing something um and that doesn't necessarily have to be physical because in my personal opinion uh in relation to shooting 90 percent of the hurdles that people face are mentally based uh, the mechanics of shooting are not all that difficult uh, it's allowing yourself to release to do those mechanical things that that seem to trip people up uh, so trying to figure out what those little hurdles are in something that's not tangible that you can see is what's enjoyable for me it's like it's like a puzzle and you're trying to put together the puzzle um but yeah for me it's and it's not necessarily mental management as some people have heard that's that's not really what i try and teach um i just try and understand what makes people tick uh and then try and figure out how to get them past that um so kind of my speciality or what I run into a lot is hard to deal with students. You know, someone cannot break through. They'll get passed to me uh, because I, I tend to find a way. And it's not that I'm any better than anyone else. I just have a particular knack uh, to try and get in uh, and get people to kind of think a certain way, I guess. I could definitely verify that you have a certain knack. Um, so one thing that I see with a lot of a lot of shooters, and uh, sometimes it, I look at it like a spectrum. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it goes from super underconfident to overconfident, and I've been seeing that a lot of shooters that operate in this spectrum, like right in the middle, um, they end up doing pretty well. So. How do you handle like the overconfident and the undercon? So the way I kind of think about that is the the risk reward kind of quotient, right? You have people that are averse to risk uh, or people that are overly interested in reward. Um, so, I mean, there's a myriad of ways you could put that. Like Brian talks about like the accuracy first shooters, the speed first shooters, which is absolutely true. Uh, but I really think it's risk reward. So if you get into like the accuracy kind of first shooters, those are people that are averse to risk and averse to changing things to get a different yield. Uh, and the people that are on the reward side of the spectrum, the same could apply uh, with a really accurate shooter because hitting that bullseye gives the dopamine rush uh, and things like that where they feel like they've accomplished something. And that's those those people are averse to kind of failure. Um, and when you find someone that's consistent where there's not an overabundance of celebration and there's not an overabundance of self-deprecating behavior when they fail, that's when you're kind of released to perform a task. Um, another thing I try and kind of talk to people about <clears throat> is not really getting caught up in the task defining who you are. The task is a task. It is not representative of who you are as a person like how well you do with a gun in your hand doesn't you're a good person now you know all is well in the world I mean, <laughs> it can certainly help right in certain situations but 
it's a task. It's just like anything else. It's doing a math problem. It's putting together a piece of Ikea furniture, however complex or simple that it may be. It's just a task. And once you treat it as such, you can remove the ego from it to an extent. Uh, you can never completely separate self. Uh, but once you can remove the aversion tactics that our brains create on the failure side or the success side, you can then really subconsciously perform the action. Uh, you'll hear a lot about like subconscious shooting and high level competitive shooters, things like that, that you're almost on autopilot to an extent, but I don't know that that's the case. There's just so much noise removed about the past and the future that you're literally watching what's happening in front of you. And all the mechanical processes are just happening because there's no longer cognitive input. Uh, it's just kind of happening. You know, you're not having to, well, if this, if that, if this, if that, you know. So <clears throat> really, I think that's what people should learn to do better is separate themselves from it, where if they do poorly or they fail on any given thing, especially while learning, especially while learning, <clears throat> that it's a negative connotation because it's not. It's a requirement to learn things. Uh, failure is inevitable. It will happen if you try and avoid it. You will never get better. You will stay at a certain level and that's where you will be. Uh, you have to push past that. And uh, the other end of the spectrum is don't be overly dependent on reward structures, whether they are self-created or externally created because they're fleeting. You know, the, the skill that you gain from learning something is yours. Uh, you know, trinkets or things you win or accolades or recognition for doing those things. It, it's not real. It's outside, you know, uh, certainly cool, but it's not going to change who you are as a shooter, I guess. So, yeah, I'm guilty of it. And I see a ton of people. Everyone um, is. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, the biggest hurdle that I personally see on, on the line a lot of times is, uh, those shooters or that shooter that's just beating themselves up. They're tearing mm -hmm. themselves down inside their own head. Mm -hmm. Like, like, how do you address stuff like that? Really quickly and swiftly from the very beginning. So, uh, normally anyone I'm working with, whether it be a private environment, a larger class, a class I'm AIing, anything like that. I try and make a point very early on in conversation to have a failure conversation um, and have a conversation about failure in relation to learning. And because really a lot of times people are just looking for someone to give them permission to excuse my French suck at something, you know, especially in relation to shooting. Nobody wants to be the worst shooter in a shooting class. I don't care if you picked up a gun yesterday for the first time. You don't want to be the worst one in the class. Uh, that's where you get a lot of the sayings like, well, I've been shooting a gun forever. Or I shot a gun with a kid. I've been shooting a gun my whole life. That's not <clears throat> normally a quantifier for someone to say, hey, I'm good and I don't have to listen. That's a defensive mechanism for someone to say, hey, I don't want anyone to know that I'm really bad at this. Um, and if you address that directly and not say, hey, you're really bad at this, but say, 
you know what? We're learning skills that someone from the very beginning shooter to the very advanced shooter could garner something from, and it's okay to struggle. It's okay. There's, there's no judgment here. If you can pull that out, uh, because normally that dynamic is not coming from the instructor to the student or the instructor to the client. It's the clients creating their own hierarchical system or believing that that system is there. And more often than not, it's not there. Uh, people just believe it is. So that's really the first thing I do is try and make people understand it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. I do it. I mean, I will tank a demo with the best of them. Um, you know, I'll I'll tank a shooting challenge with the best of them, but I can also succeed with the best of them. What the difference is, if you can get there relatively quickly, is have people understand who they are and where they are as a shooter. Once they understand that and there's not a negative or a positive quotient to it, then it's just expectation to perform to who you are. And that's releasing for a lot of people. So once they understand if you're, let's frame it in like a build drill, right? If you just had a relatively new shooters and you say, hey, six shots from the holster, it's probably going to take anywhere from two to seven seconds depending on your skill level and acceptable accuracy would be this to this once you say that and you you give kind of a window it kind of takes fear out for people and then you can kind of get a baseline then once you have a baseline then through observation on what you've seen you can help pull them along to get them where you think they should be versus them dictating that for you does that make sense? That makes a world of sense. Yeah. So we talked a lot about fear. Um, I feel like sometimes fear is a lot of the reason why folks aren't coming to classes, but that's not the only reason, you know, there might be some other stuff going on there. Um, for like, what kind of, what kind of barriers do you see and how can we overcome those? Oh, there's a ton. Um, so the fear quotient, obviously, um, I think what what's pervasive in our industry is there's not a lot of outreach for people to understand that it is not a difficult situation to enter into. Um, it's not overly taxing to get education. And I think, and oddly enough, so when we think about firearms training in general, no one would think out of the blue to go buy a parachute and go jump out of a plane and just say, you know, I watched it on YouTube, how to pack a shoot. <laughs> and I'm going to jump out of this plane and it's going to work out great. I mean, if that happened very often, we'd probably know about it. There'd be news stories. Right. Um, but in firearms, and, and I think it's, it's endemic in just our society with the second amendment, things like that. It's, they've been around, they've always been around right? Firearms in general, defense, the concept of defense, things like that. So a very little bit of exposure uh, to a lot of people equates to what they believe is knowledge. And they think they don't need it. And, you know, it's rare that you find people, and I hate to use this term, but like a training junkie or someone that really wants to dig into the nuance, the nuance of 
not only the concepts of things, but the different ways to explain that, uh, it's rare <clears throat> and people have to be driven for that. But I think we're, we're actually in the renaissance of firearms training. I mean, there's, there's a vast, vast, vast catalog of quality people out there doing quality work. Uh, and a lot of people are struggling, you know, to get work though. There's millions of new gun owners. Um, you know, I think it's like anything else that we run into in the modern age where you have the, any piece of information at your fingertips that if anyone searches that they, they integrate that into their thinking that they understand what that means. Now you can have an answer that doesn't mean you understand it. Uh, so that's, that's one big thing. Uh, that's a tough one to overcome. Um, I think doing what you're doing with this or, you know, the judicious use of social media to actually get people to understand, to, to be inclusive about it and not alienating about it. And that's something I've also seen that's systemic uh, <clears throat> is it's Facebook's notorious for this. Like Facebook gun groups are are just dog piles on people if they don't understand. And I've kind of chosen to kind of move away from a whole bunch of that because it's just, it's not helpful. And normally the, the people that are the most vicious or harsh about it are the people with the least amount to offer uh, from helping people. But on the other side of that spectrum, there's, you know, the asps of the world that are doing incredible work. Um, you know, the Filster group doing incredible work. Uh, so there's a ton of people out there, but it's like anything else, it's hard. And then, you know, obviously monetary stuff, training, good training is not cheap. I mean, um, that's the tough part too. Like when you, you get into talking about what it takes to be a solid coach or a, a high quality coach, and it does not end with, you know, an an NRA instructor and certification, not saying there's anything bad about that, but that's where it begins, not where it ends. So for someone to get actually good at this, it's a long-term investment in your skill development, uh, a lot of money, a lot of time, uh, a lot of sleepless nights. And it's, it's really a labor of love for most people that do it, that I know that are good at it. Uh, it's not monetary by any means, but when you look at the investment over time, you you cannot give it all away. You, you just can't. It's You have to get some kind of return on that investment unless you're just like a nun about it, you know, which is awesome. <laughs> but it's not cheap, you know, and that's that's a big one for people. And I certainly understand that, like going to a, a two day class, <clears throat> if there's travel involved, um, it's it's tough uh, and you couple that and i know i'm like going off on a tangent but it's what i do i can't help myself i love tangents. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, a lot of times people are unaware of the difference between what quality and non-quality training is so if if your only experience with training was your your state mandated concealed carry course or something like that and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And I'm not saying the people that do that aren't passionate, but that's not coaching. 
it, it's not learning to perform better. Uh, that's literally learning information to me, a minimum. I would, I'd, I'd be hesitant to even say competency level, uh, because that's not really what it's about. It's just a, this is the information you, you have to have that the crown says you need to know before you can do that. <clears throat> and that's, that's very, very different than going to a, a tailor-made defensive course to understand defensive concepts and performance related thereto. So I think that was like three or four reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's great stuff, though. Yeah, I love to listen to it. Um, yeah, those are really good tips. So you mentioned a lot of really cool schools out there, too. Like, um, like uh, so, of course, you run uh, your academy. There's the mm -hmm. uh, there's Tactical Advantage. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me a little bit more about the work that you do out there? Sure. So. Tactical Advantage started, uh, I started professionally coaching at around 2000. Um, <clears throat> and Tactical Advantage started uh, really not even as a training company. Um, I was into engineering. I'm still into engineering. Uh, and I really wanted to get into gunsmithing, uh, doing firearm modifications, things like that. Uh, and, and just document my journey, wherever that kind of went. Uh, also, about two years into that, <clears throat> I decided, you know, I, I, I do know quite a bit about guns. I'm the gun guy in my circle. Uh, I would love to kind of get into teaching a CCW or doing something like that. And I lived in Florida at the time. So I went and got my NRA certification. And shortly thereafter, I started working in a gun store doing their their CCW classes in Florida and did that for, for quite a few years. And, and then kind of meandered for a while, still always did training uh, here and there, but it wasn't like my big push. It was just part of this idea. Um, and really about, I want to say it was six or seven years ago. I had an epiphany that I was not as good at shooting as I had lied to myself to be, <clears throat> you know, and, and then that was a, a hard conversation that I had with myself. If I'm out there teaching people and I have not put in the same level of commitment that I would have asked of myself, if I were my own student, then what am I doing? And why am I doing this? You know, to, to say I'm an instructor. Uh, and, and I just felt, pretty awful about that right so when that happened i really started to think differently about what i was doing um and luckily at that time i had kind of pushed through enough of my career that i had a bunch of tools in the toolbox to help work with people you know uh and help people understand and, and do things that they might not otherwise feel confident enough to do and I just had to figure out a way to sharpen my own skills to apply that to that. Uh, so I went on a bender, man, for a bunch of years about self-improvement um, and not just in related in relation to shooting, but just teaching, shooting, being a good person, being approachable to people, uh, being helpful to people, being a, a servant to people that 
I meet in everyday life. So that equated to roughly, oh, I don't know, I'm somewhere around 5,000 hours of professional training now, 22 instructor certifications, um, huge, huge, huge amounts of time and money to do it. Uh, but I'm, I'm one of those people that is much like you probably that has an OCD level commitment to excellence, right? So yeah. I, I don't think that's required for everybody. Uh, it was just something I realized. And I think there was a little bit of guilt to it that I was doing it for such a long time and, and I wasn't passionate about it. And, and I don't believe that I serve those people correctly. And once I realized that, I, I really, really, really wanted to make up for it. Uh, and that's kind of what ended me up here with the TACAD brand. Uh, so the, the Tactical Advantage brand, <clears throat> and again, I, I have an aversion towards recognition and things like that. Uh, social exposure, that it's not my thing. Um, I don't really like it. So I am hard to find. Uh, I, I purposely do that. Uh, I'm doing a website now. We're revamping because in 2024, I plan on doing some national stuff. But right now, uh, and my website's been sporadic over years. Like if, if I forgot to pay like the website hosting fees, it didn't really hurt my feelings, you know? Um, but I kind of purposely wanted to keep a low profile because oddly enough, the people I needed to help ended up finding me one way or the other. Um, and I was, I've been fortunate enough that I never really had to do this for my sole income to make a living. Uh, so it was really about doing it when I liked it or when I thought I could help somebody. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's been an interesting trip. Uh, as I get older and get closer to retirement, um, I really want to start pushing what I'm doing and expose myself more um, to see more people, help more people. But I'm, I'm really happy doing really small stuff, virtuals, privates, very small classes, because that's where I excel. Um, the methods I employ don't work well in 20, 25 person groups. Uh, I just don't feel like I have the time to find the switch, you know, in, in those kind of situations. So I can certainly do it, but it's not what brings me the most joy. Uh, what brings me joy is, you know, that one person that has this wall that they cannot get by. And I've helped people that, uh, significantly more skilled than I have get past those same hurdles as I've helped people with relatively little skill uh, because sometimes it's just another set of eyes or the right word said at the right time to kind of push somebody over and so yeah that's what I do that's the tech ad thing so uh, you'll probably see more of it in 22 because uh, I'm getting uh, more and more interested in sharing uh, and more and more interested in in you know, doing more with that brand because it's long existent and you will hear whispers of it. That's what I always kind of liked about it because there's mystique too, right? And this, this is stuff that just brings me entertainment where <clears throat> you'll see like some of my branded gear stuff somewhere and people are like, what's that? Or who's that? Or, but they don't really know. And that's cool, man. It makes me feel like Iron Man, you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah. Dude, that's so awesome. I am Iron Man. I had to. I had to nerd out like that. All right. So I'm 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 seeing that a lot with the stuff that you do. Um I also see you every once in a while on uh there's a YouTube channel called Active Self Protection. That's the main channel. Mm -hmm. Um 
you also uh, you work very closely with Maria, who, run, who runs that channel. Mm -hmm. um, there's a B channel called Active Self Protection Extra that has a lot of well aptly named extra value there, and mm -hmm. you know they also have developed the uh, the Active Self Protection Instructor Certification, and that's where I met you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, re I recall one video on Active Self Protection Extra where you were working with uh, Natalie Widener, and dude, it was it was incredible. Like, man, I I wish there were more coaches out there like that. And can you speak a lot to, you know, the stuff that you're doing with the active self-protection instructor certification? Sure, sure. So I am blessed to be involved with that program. So the active self-protection instructor certification program, I am actually a graduate. I was in cohort two, the second cohort. Um, and once that happened, you know, that was a big part in shaping kind of what I thought uh, like what I was talking about before about seeking betterment to improve kind of from when I, I felt I was really not serving, you know, my clientele well, uh, that really, that kind of course for a long time made me feel kind of, I was alone with how hard charging I was to be good at this. Um, and that program to me represented really the first time in a long time that I wasn't alone in that pursuit. You know, I was not on an island. There were other people that, that had ethical and moral obligations and recognized those to be better, you know, not just for ourselves, but for everyone we kind of touch. So for a long time, I, I just volunteered. Like I was like, man, this had a deep, deep, deep impact on me. I will, absolutely volunteer to help keep this program moving uh, and repeatable and viable, whatever I can do to help. Uh, over the course of time, that developed. Um, and now uh, we're at a, a place where I am one of the program directors. Uh, Carrie Dudenhofer is the other program director. Uh, and it's just a solid, solid team. Between Carrie and I, we have a a very, very different kind of approach. I'm like the super deep thinker and she's like the super detailed ricochet rabbit. But when you put us together, we we have a very, very good ability to make sure we're touching every single thing that we need to touch. Uh, and it's all getting the, the right amount of thought to it. So, uh, and then John, Steph and Neil uh, the senior leadership of ASP, they have been super, super helpful in allowing us to help them get where they wanted to go. Uh, so it's really a team effort. Um, all of us, there, there's really, it's one of the few cross-functional teams I've ever worked on anywhere that ego is not an issue. It's really about the betterment of the students or, and the people we're trying to assist. Uh, and I think for you, even as someone that's been through it, it's interesting to be in a situation like that where you can be in a room full of well-vetted, well-experienced instructors uh, and the cadres are well-vetted and well-experienced, but the learning isn't flowing from the top down it's kind of flowing in all directions at any given time. Um, 
so I find that super, super interesting. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I love, love, love that program. Uh, I'm not going to bore anyone with the semantics of what it is, but it is different uh, than, than what I believe anyone is offering. But the results speak for themselves. And I think the people that get into it, it is certainly a, a big, big, big amount of work. But you will come out of it different than when you what you came in as and, and be better for it and create lasting relationships and understanding about who you are and where you are and where you fit in that world than you did before. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's that's a huge deal to me. Uh, I'm very active in the uh, the extra side of stuff. I, I'm, I'm not in a bunch of videos, but like one of the only places I'm active on Facebook anymore is the active self-protection dry fire group. Um, mm. That's where, cause people are literally in there looking for help, trying to get better. It's well moderated. Uh, so there's a lot of, not a lot of noise. It's, it's positive and it's actually people seeking not validation, but, but growth opportunity. Um, and like the extra channel is really about like the learning side uh, the technical application of learning and shooting better and defensive things like that versus the main channel, which is really about this is what it really looks like when that stuff goes down, <laughs> you know? So I, I find it super interesting. And this, the work John, Steph and Neil do with all of that is just mind boggling to me. And I'm blessed to be a part of it in any, any, fashion at all so one thing i found that was very uh unique about that program was just the book study didn't have too much to do with like the technical aspect of pressing triggers sure it it 100 percent came down to adult learning mm -hmm. and you know uh cognitive mindfulness <laughs> you know and uh there's a lot of it in there about just you know yeah, there's there's a lot of managing the mental game, and that that helped me out with my shooting. But the thing that really kind of helped me is just, you know, understanding how people learn, and yeah. that was really what got me into it. And that was the most that I got out of it. It was, that was wonderful. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing we, we try and do, and it's multifaceted, right? So, uh, the way we kind of break it up, we break it up kind of into blocks, where one would be self development, one would be kind of professional development. Uh, so we do a lot of curriculum design work, uh, understanding how to create a curriculum. What other certifying body goes out, they'll hand you a PowerPoint and say, go teach this PowerPoint. You are certified to teach this PowerPoint. Great. That PowerPoint is not very good. Uh, so we, what we want to do is have people understand that you have the ability to create a product and go teach that product. It doesn't have to be somebody else's product. As long as it's well thought through, uh, it's, it's ethically, morally sound, uh, and you're doing what you can do. So that's a big part of it. Understanding how adults really learn, uh, where the dynamics are in those situations. Uh, and you're right. A lot of the reading that we do, and, and it's reading heavy, is absolutely nothing to do with shooting but it shouldn't be 
<laughs> if, if, if it was like that, it would be every other class where you go for three days or two days and you go shoot a gun and you pass a qual and great, you're, you're set free on the world. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but that's not what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to develop or help people find the path of development to be better instructors. Simply put, not just an instructor, a better instructor or the best version of you as an instructor that you can be and understand the path to get better and help help your students get better. Simple as that. Great stuff. Great stuff. I um, I'm also really enjoying the work that you do with uh, the complete combatant with uh, Shelly and Brian Hill. I tell you what, man, Brian Hill is one of the best teachers, one of the best coaches. He's an excellent diagnostician, draws from a deep well of kinesthetic knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And like the dude just, like he's able to look at people and go, okay, instead of people telling you to, well, just stop jerking the trigger. No, instead, all right, move your hip right here. All right, yeah. and now you're good. That's so incredible. Dude, tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing. Yeah. With so Brian, working with Brian, I thought I was good at this. You know, I really did. And then I saw kind of what Brian is able to do. And Brian, he just has such an institutional knowledge from doing this, not just guns, but with MMA and stuff like that for so long. He literally can read you like a book. I mean, my first real interaction with Brian was quite a few years back. And we did a virtual, a virtual online training session and he called out some stuff over like a video on like a pad and i'm not really talking about technical or or movement stuff it was just like are you breathing you know it, like literally things like that that i will never forget and i'm going holy smokes i'm not you know and and he's not just the the physical side of it he's really really good at reading the mental as well uh, so for me, it, it was another blessing. I mean, we moved to Georgia uh, really close to them and, and we had already kind of created a relationship. And then, you know, I was afforded the opportunity to to be of use and to to help serve them. Um, but, yeah, Brian and Shelly both are are incredibly skilled at this, incredibly skilled. Um, and people again, that are not motivated by anything other than improving the people that they are serving. And that's rare. And when you find that stuff, do your best to affiliate yourself with that, you know, because how, how much better can an opportunity get, especially if it aligns with who you are. So, but yeah, working with Brian is absolutely cool uh he challenges me every single time he knows what my weaknesses are and he exposes them <laughs> and he uh he makes me work on them you know so he knows what makes me tick he knows what i don't like uh and and he forces me to get better at those things and it's not just shooting it's instructing as well uh so every opportunity i get to work with him he helps me grow uh, and, and at times it can be uncomfortable, but it's it's important. And what more could you ask for in a partner 
from a shooting perspective or a learning, you know, perspective than someone that challenges you to be better. They, he will not rest on good enough. It's, it just doesn't exist. And it's fun. It's entertaining. Man, it's fun to watch. It's fun to be there. Um, first time I met Brian Hill, I went to TACCON and, um, you know, how it runs Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, the very first module on the very first day, the very first hour, you know, like in the first five minutes, he's talking about, you know, posture, not stance, but posture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's looking for an example and he looks at, you know, the overweight black dude and he's like, Hey, you know, come on over here. What's your name? Mikos. All right. Stand like you're going to shoot. And he looks at me and he, he says four words that basically fixes my entire life. It's like, you're way too tense. Just taking a deep breath, relax, and just take the stress out of your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Taking a deep breath, and when you exhale, release all that tension with it. Fill your pelvic floor. <clears throat> fill your toes. Go into the dirt. And now, now take your posture. And I think, like, it was just those four words. You're way too tense. That fixed, like, my whole life right there. And it's, it's just incredible. Man, it's good stuff. Yeah, he he has he has a way and he's extremely eloquent. Like you wouldn't think it, right? When people are like, "Oh, well, let's talk about Brian's background." Well, a professional fighter and and all this stuff and and trained professional fighters, you wouldn't think, "Wow, that dude's going to be a linguist of epic proportion." And he is. And I know he works really hard at that and I I know he is as dedicated as anyone I've ever met. Uh, so every success that he's having right now is is earned over 40 years of dedication. Uh, I get a kick when I hear about Brian because, you know, I know Brian relatively well. And people are like, well, you know, he's the, the up and comer and he's the new star. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, new. <laughs> that guy has probably more hours than anyone I've ever met, you know. So, yeah, but it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be around them and, and be able to work with them in, in any capacity at all. So, you know, in Dahlonega, Georgia, where they're located, uh, they have their own range there. It's a beautiful little range. Uh, so when they do home classes, uh, I get to be a part of that. Uh, I'm hoping to this year, at least on one occasion, is maybe travel with him a little bit. Uh, just to kind of see how things roll for him when he travels, um, you know, scheduling conflicts and things like that, getting that figured out is going to be interesting. But, you know, having him as a mentor has been a super duper blessing to me. And I know he would probably struggle to hear me say that like a mentor, but he is, you know, and that's that's how I view our relationship. He's been super, super helpful to me, you know, at at every turn. So and hopefully I can bring a tenth of the value to him that that he's brought to me. Daggum. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are, like boy crushing over Brian Hill. <laughs> nah, he's I mean, he's a lot of man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I got my nicotine patch. I laughed. <laughs> oh man. Um all right. So 
we're almost out of here. I got one more question for you. Um, so suppose you know somebody that, you know, you wouldn't really associate as a shooter, right? Let's say you know somebody like a next door neighbor or a family member and, you know, uh, they come up to you and they're like, Chris, look, I, I just bought this gun. Uh, I think it's a Taurus, I guess. I don't know what I'm doing with this thing, but I'm not really sure where to go or what to do. Like what kind of, I mean, I know besides like, Hey, meet me here at five o'clock. Right. <laughs> besides that. I mean, I like, kind of have a line on something like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, if, um, if they're, if they're not close to you or maybe, maybe they're watching this right now, mm-hmm. or maybe they're, you know, maybe they're out there and uh, uh, they haven't been to a class or started a match. Um, what kind of advice can you can you provide to them? I would I would certainly ask anyone that was in that situation to seek some kind of training, seek some kind of quality training, not just your thirty dollar to seventy five dollar CCW course. Um, you would be hard pressed to be anywhere in the United States of America right now and not be within a couple hours of somebody that knows what they're doing. Um, And it's the same thing with having any tool. If you have no ability to utilize that tool, it's probably going to be a liability to you if you ever needed it. Uh, So invest in yourself. That always, always, always pays. You know, if you're a new gun owner and you had to save up for a while, I mean, certainly take a course with exposure, you know, to gun safety, things like that, as soon as you possibly can. But once you get past that and you understand the fundamental safety measures, start learning how to actually do things and be very, very careful about where you get that information from. Uh, If you're getting all of that information from social media and try and find a way to vet some of that, because there's some really unsafe stuff I've seen, uh, some really, really bad advice that I've seen that... The hard part is, is once that becomes ingrained into the way you do things, it's very, very hard to fix. Uh, you're better off from the the jump trying to, you know, I, I, it's akin to taking like a driver's ed class versus taking a defensive driving class. A driver's ed class teaches you what to do at a stop sign. A defensive driving class teaches you what to do if somebody's trying to kill you kind of with their car, you know, and and figure out. And, and I think it's very similar. Um so that would be my advice it doesn't have to be super expensive and it doesn't have to be you know a never-ending saga of training like someone like me or someone like you would go after but a few small tools uh, to understand the whens and the whys and the hows once you have that stuff you're in a lot better place than than most because most people will never even go that far wow I, I feel like that's a great place to end it. Um, let's see. Wow, that's a lot, man. That was that's a... all right. I'm kind of you know because you're kind of speaking to my soul right here. But um, before I you know get all emotional and stuff, like that <laughs> cry, um... cry, cry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh... before uh, too far down the rabbit hole, um. Uh, Chris, where can people find you? Uh, so really right now, the easiest places to find me is uh, 
via the complete combatant. Uh, if you're looking for me on social media, look at the Ask Dry Fire Challenge or the Ask Dry Fire Group. Uh, here within the next two months, uh, tacticaladv.com will be back up again after the revamp. Uh, and really on social media, yeah, my name's Christopher Bean. I, I have no alias. I'm not Instructor Chris or anything like that. It's just Chris, man. If, if you've got a question or something I can do for you, hit me up. I, I, I want to help people, you know, so not hard to find. Uh, I don't have a big footprint as, as we talked about before by design, but I'm not hiding, you know, I'm around. You can find me. Right on. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Uh, folks, thanks so much for watching. Uh, if you like stuff like this, please feel free to, you know, uh, give it a thumbs up, give it a like, consider subscribing. Thanks a bunch for watching. Welcome to Memphis. Thank you, everybody.